Our scripture this morning is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, found on page 976 in your pew Bible. Before we read the scripture, let's pray. God, whom we know through the scriptures and creation, speak to us in this hour. Show us the wisdom and joy of your ways that we may know what is good and do what is right. Open our hearts and minds to receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. The word of God for the people of God. So Paul is going to begin unpacking uh, the themes that were introduced in his uh, great um, praising of God and his, his prayer for the people. And we, we begin with this of him remembering where we were, uh, of remembering the problem that God saves us from. And there's a sense in which to have that gratitude uh, for what God has done to, uh, to understand grace and understand salvation begins with us understanding what we're saved from, what that grace covers. And, and so um, these first three verses um, of the second chapter lay out um, through three metaphors uh, where we were. This, this is an exhaustive of everything Scripture ever says, but, but it covers pretty good that we were dead that we were walking um, in a course following um, evil, and that we were by nature children of wrath. Um, you know, if uh, Mark Gregory was still here, he would invite the children up, little sinners, you children of wrath, you know, to come, to come forward. It's something we don't usually do uh, when we have children's messages, but it's important for us to remember um, who we are. So this first one, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We've already talked about in the first chapter how we've been redeemed from trespasses. And those two words together kind of encapsulate what it means to live apart from God, to break his law. Trespasses of, of doing those things which we shouldn't do. You've, you've gone beyond a boundary. You've trespassed. Um, and sin, which that is you've missed the mark. You haven't lived up to the standard you should have. The idea that, that we've either done things we shouldn't have, we've committed things, or we've left out things that we should. And, and through those, the word he uses is that we are dead. This is, this is the place we are before God, uh, before his grace is at work in us, that we are not sick, not needing just a helping hand, 
not just not understanding his law well enough and need a little instruction and a, a little bit of encouragement, we're dead. We're incapable of responding. We're incapable of doing anything spiritually good, that, that we might be pretty good citizens and nice people, but spiritually, apart from God, we're dead. We're not loving God with our whole heart, mind, and soul, and strength. We're not loving our neighbor as ourself. And though we might keep a tidy yard and, and keep our dogs quiet for neighbors and don't litter and um, you know, pay taxes and bake cookies, inside we're, we're prideful, we're envious, we're discontent, we're rejecting God, and so it says, we are dead. If we're dead, we don't need good advice. We, we don't need a helping hand. We don't need um, just a, a display of love that inspires us to be better people. If we're dead, we need a miracle. We need to be made alive in Christ. The second thing is that we walked um, in uh, the following the course of the world, or that word would be age of the world, kind of we're following the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit of, of, that is at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we once lived in the passions of our flesh, that, that we're following the wrong way. We're walking according to the wrong way. We're walking in the flesh rather than in the spirit. And, and Paul here lays out what um, the church has historically recognized as the three great enemies of the soul, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Um, worth spending a little bit of time on that we, we're following the, the spirit of the age. We're following the course of the world. Now, when the Scripture talks about the world, when Paul's talking about world, when John talks about world, they don't mean God's good creation that he made and said this is a good thing. They, they don't mean like material existence, like matter is bad and we want to get all spiritual. What he's talking about is um, the fallen state that we're in now, that we have rejected God, and the world um, is, is this system of everything trying to live apart from God's law, God's rule. It, it's the world in rebellion. This is part of what's so amazing about John 3.16 is this rebellious world is still loved by God. But to walk according to this world in a sense, I think that we see this in so many things around us that there's just a spirit to an age. The world values power. The world values money. The world values efficiency. The world values you know, beauty, values power, and all these things are constantly on display, and it's the source of idolatry that you have idols to war, idols to uh, whatever nation um, is you know, living um, out its um, existence apart from God. You, you have idols to sex. You have idols to money. And all of these things are because these are the things the world values. Because the world apart from God 
is going to ultimately make these things, which in themselves are good things, ultimate things and makes them idols. The world is on display when you walk through Macy's and you see these pictures that make you feel like your life is incomplete and your friends are not as pretty as most people and you don't smell as good and that if you only bought the right thing, you would be in and you would be something. The world is on display when you just kind of see the conversations that assume anything that makes money must be good. And the more money made, no matter what, is, is good. It, you see the world on display when um, all the attention focuses on the great and the powerful and the mighty and the beautiful. And you see the way people are lifted up as though somebody having a hit single should tell us about how to be politically good. But their voice has something more because the world lifts them up. We're surrounded... Um, by this. The world goes hand in hand with our flesh. Um, we have the, the world around us, but among whom we also once lived in the passions of our flesh. That is not, again, material existence. Not our bodies are bad and our spirit is good, but the flesh is the idea of our fallen human nature. It's when, um, well, it, and I use donuts all the time because it's such an obvious thing for me when I come here and there are the donuts and I'm saying I, I don't need another donut. I, I drive to church and say I'm not going to eat a second donut. And the amount of willpower it takes for me to overcome my flesh and have a donut and a hole instead of two donuts is, is just incredible. And you all know this, that, that you want to read the Bible but you, you, you're almost on that next level of candy crush and just a little bit more and you're there. You want to reach out to somebody and, and ask how they're doing and, and spend time in prayer, but you're so tired. And the flesh just says, we don't actually watch anything on Netflix. You just kind of flip through and decide you can't find anything and then you go to sleep. But you just, you're too tired to do anything. It's the flesh that keeps you from walking and watching and doing those things. And it just is so much effort to overcome our natural lusts, our natural desires, our natural appetites. And, and we're in a culture that says, if it's natural that you want it, it's good. Why would you go against nature? Nature must be good. And we say, no, the flesh is nature that's been corrupted. It's been fallen. So that good has now become um, distorted. So I'm struggling against the world that tells me, uh, apart from God, I can have joy. I struggle against the flesh which desires things um, in excess, out of the bounds that God has given me. And we have an enemy in the devil. Um, Paul does not use that term here. He says, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is work in the sons of disobedience. That not only are we struggling with things, the world is, is tempting us to, to uh, do other things, but there's also a spiritual reality that hates you. 
there is a spiritual reality that is at war with your soul and despises God and would seek nothing more than to keep you from coming to God, and if in God, to make you completely ineffective to share his love with others and to destroy you. Now, here's, here's my fear. You say the devil, and I'm afraid you see that little cartoon character, kind of the, the Casper the ghost guy with the red horns and, and the tail. Uh, or is, is that the, oh, the deviled ham? Uh, you think of that guy. You, nobody believes in him. And so we say we don't believe in a devil. Or, or we, we, you know, those of y'all who've seen The Exorcist, that you think, well, that's the way it is. It's, it's something uh, tremendous and supernatural and incredible. And well, no, we don't see that. We don't believe that. There is an enemy. This is, there are spiritual realities beyond what we perceive or see. We need to recognize that there are these things. Um, last year, there was just a lot of weird things going on, and I had quite a few conversations with people asking me, do you think there's some kind of conspiracy? And I said, well, the great thing about being a Christian who believes in the reality of Satan is there's always a conspiracy. I'm not sure there's ever these you know, actual people who know what's going on, but they're being used by an intelligence that is at work leading the world astray, leading people astray, and we, we have to recognize that we have this enemy. And I don't know, the, the, to me, it, it, it just, we see phases of evil. How do we go within just a year or two, a 4,000% increase, 4, increase of young girls experiencing gender dysphoria? That, you know, that's something most of us knew nothing about, and suddenly... Pops up. How do we suddenly just see a rash of racism creeping up again after we thought that's gone? How do we see just where a coordination across nations? I, I think there's an evil one at work generating people to think about things, and we recognize that those will pass and there'll be something else. There'll be a temptation for the church to be in power and misuse it. There'll be a temptation to persecute the church. There'll be a temptation um, constantly where you just see so many being led astray. And I, I, I think the way that works is usually the, pointing us to the other two, reminding us of our flesh, reminding us, uh, or manipulating our flesh, or manipulating our, uh, the world. The devil the prince of the power of the air, um, the spiritual reality does very simple things. Um, the other morning I woke up. I was in a great mood. I was thinking of all the good things going on. It was wonderful. The sun was shining. I think I smelled bacon. It was a wonderful day. And then suddenly my mind thought of something that was frustrating me from maybe a few years back. And all of a sudden, I noticed I was getting angry. And I realized, why in the world do I bring this up? Why in the world am I destroying this good mood? And gratefully caught the, the, what was going on and refocused my attention. But I, but I think there's that sense of just something as simple as that. I don't know. I mean, could be I'm just a jerk. 
Could be a spiritual reality. Could be the reason you find it so hard um, to wake up on Sunday than any other day. Could be just the rhythm of the week. Could be a spiritual reality. Or or why um, when you start to get into the Scripture and start to pray, things happen. When you start to get serious about worship and, and doing things for God, things happen. Could be a coincidence. Could be a spiritual reality. Why you maybe find it so hard to follow Scripture and a, and a message and are so distracted by anything else. Might be a lousy speaker. I mean, it could be a lousy speaker plus the spiritual reality. But it's just something as simple as that. That's what I'm saying. Not, not the, the exorcist possession, not the cartoon but a reality that is at work in us to focus more about the person in the pew beside us and what's wrong with them than what's wrong with me, or or getting distracted spiritually or or tired from doing those things which we ought to do. These are all at work, and this is what we once were, but we've been freed from it. And finally, um, that we are children of wrath. That is, by nature, we are not God's people. We're not God's children by nature. That's why we praise God for adoption. We who are not his children have been made his children, but by nature we are under his wrath. All of these things, because of our trespasses and sins, because of our walking according to the flesh and the world and the devil, because of all these things and because of our nature being corrupt, we deserve his punishment and wrath. That is who we are by nature. And so we see all of this and recognize our need for grace. A few things to point out. One is we see when we look at what we were once part of and who we, in contrast to who we should be now, raises for us a true picture of what it means to be converted, what it means to be born again, what it means to be a Christian. That are we now living according to the Spirit? Are we now children of God? Are we now bearing fruit that shows that? In other words, are all these things something we can just say, that's what I once was, not what I am now? Are we, um, have we recognized our need for grace? Have we been renewed? And can we really say that, I love the things of God. I do want to keep his law because I'm grateful. But I, I do see my need for him and that I wasn't just needing to be a better me, but I really needed something new at work in my life. That when we see who we were um, helps us to see what we ought to be. And um, so is this something we can say is in the past? Or is it the true reality for us now that we need God's grace um, and we need to no longer be, by nature, children of wrath, by no longer need to be dead? And all of this um, makes us ready to hear and incredibly grateful for the grace that is shown in the first two words of verse 4. Possibly the most gracious words you can hear after hearing about our our natural condition, but God. In contrast of all these things that we are, God works. 
by his grace. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you um, that we have been saved by your grace. Help us to recognize deeper and deeper our need for you so that we cling tighter to that grace. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Would you please stand and let us stay what we believe through the words of the